Hello and welcome to Ring It Podcast episode 29, travelling with James Hammond. This week is a bit of a twist. I was interviewed by Connor from the Comeback Podcast this week and I've decided to share that interview and share it on my platform. And this week we talk about two random subjects. We talk about Ronaldo going back to Man United as a real curveball there for you. But also we talk about Bolivia and my time travelling there. Hope you enjoy and I hope you join this little twist. Catch you soon. Welcome to episode 201 of the Comeback Podcast. My guest today is James Hammond from the Winging It Travel Podcast, round three. And it's also round three of the special Ronaldo's Coming Home series. We're going to dissect Ronaldo. And on the travel theme, we're also going to discuss Bolivia, a country that I have very little knowledge of, but still a desire to go. James has spent three weeks there previously traveling and is going to delve into more detail. James, welcome back. How are you doing? Hi, dude. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me back. 201. That's mental. Yeah, yeah. I hit the 200 landmark yesterday and so the new era begins. So no better way to kick it off then. Oh, that's a good pun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to have a little chat today. And um, yeah, two, two interesting subjects I think we've got coming up. Um, both very important and in different ways. Yeah, definitely. I mean, last time it was Messi and Melbourne, which is, it's got similar vibes. We're talking about one of the greatest players ever leaving their club in a transfer market window, which has happened again. And yeah. I don't have any, I have desires to live in Melbourne. I don't have desires to live in Bolivia, but maybe at the end of this chat, I'm, I might want to visit even more. So I'm excited to dive more into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do it. I think... Um... Bolivia is one of those countries that is not really on the South, Amer- South America like hit list. Yeah, but it's got some pretty decent beauty there, and it's one of the cheapest countries in South America. So, if you're on a budget, it's definitely a place to add to your list. Definitely a place to check out. Well, I'm excited to go more into Bolivia, but I guess firstly, let's start with the football. What was your reaction last Friday when all of this chaos is going on, and the fact that Ronaldo might be coming? back to the Premier League and not just the Premier League but Man United what was your reaction yeah I was uh, as a football fan I'm impartial on this uh, I don't have any allegiances to anyone uh, at the top level um, I was actually pretty excited about it you know like um, I remember 2000 God, was it three or four I can't remember um, when he sort of made his breakthrough uh, but he's kind of always been there my football life so the fact that we're going to see him round two, back round to the almost the full set, it, it feels right. It feels like he's coming home because I think Man United fans love him and they always sing about him. It's just kind of one of those things that you'd love to see and it's going to happen, right? So I just hope, I actually really hope he kind of lives up to his, uh, well, how good he is, because he always scores goals, right? Even last year. So it'd be quite nice if he actually took them to the title um, because that kind of cement his iconic status especially Man United yeah absolutely as you're saying this I'm thinking I'm obviously biased I'm a Man United fan so I remember watching him growing up Uh, I think I was 12 when he left yeah I was 12 when he left and I thought this is something that I would love to happen one day just for him to come back and so many summers I think is he gonna leave this time there'd be rumors that Madrid he wasn't happy and Mm. same with Juventus and I'm thinking is he going to come home is he going to come home but with, when Sir Alex left, I thought that was it. I thought, no, he's probably not going to come back now. Sir Alex is the key factor, not the club. But somehow, 
this all developed last Friday and I thought, no, is he is he actually coming back and it happened and I still can't believe it. I'm still in a daze, it doesn't really feel real. But I am a bit confused about this whole City situation. I mean, was he ever going to go to City? Nah, I don't think so. That was a ploy, wasn't it? I hope From so. From what I read every day. It was yeah. just all made up just to get my game up, get my night in gear and get him <laughs> get him told Trafford, I think. <laughs> yeah, well it worked. I mean when once I read that he was going to City, my heart dropped. I thought, no, come on. Like that would just be too painful. Like one of the greatest ever players of the club, one of the greatest of all time, playing at City, oh that would be hard. That would be hard. Yeah, but yeah. if you think about it logically though, if he's willing to leave, I don't think anyone in Italy can really take him on after he's been at Juve. He's not going to go to PSG because Messi's there. Real Madrid's been done. He's not going to go to Barcelona because I don't think he likes it and it's a kind of a rival, Real Madrid. And then, yeah, what I mean, what else is left? Bayern Munich can maybe afford him, but it's going to be an English club. And realistically, who can afford his wages? It's probably going to, it's not going to be Chelsea because they have Lukaku come in. So what is it? It's Man City isn't it? or Man United. It has to be one of those two. Yeah. There's nowhere really he could go because he's too good. And too expensive. Yeah, absolutely. So, the Man City thing, did I really believe it? I didn't really think he would go. Um, so, I'm kind of glad it's worked out for you, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still remember when it was all getting to the final stages and Rio Ferdinand's putting cryptic posts on Twitter. <laughs> Patrice Evra's getting involved and Bruno Fernandes is writing Agent Bruno. And there's the rumours, and I think it's, the, the rumours are so strong, I believe it's true, that Sir Alex Ferguson put in a call on Friday morning to Ronaldo. And I, I hope that's true. <laughs> I think it would be, yeah. I think he's pretty close to him, right? Um, yeah. I, can, I think he said in an interview, right, that he was pivotal in, in him coming back. Um, it's, it's weird that you never, I've never really seen it where the loyalty of one club player is so strong that all the ex-players get involved and, like, the fear of him going to Man City and maybe like you know, winning the title with them is so strong, isn't it? Yeah. That everyone kind of pulled out the stops to get him over. Yeah. I saw a post saying, I love the fact that Sir Alex, Bruno, Everett, Ferdinand assembled like the Avengers and brought just to bring one yeah. up in Old Trafford. And it felt like, yeah, it's pretty similar. Everyone realised, because we aren't, we're not just dealing with a club legend or a decent player. We're dealing with one of the greatest of all time. His achievement yeah, yeah. still staggering. So it's not just, for example, people would write, oh, well, people have gone from United City before, Schmeichel, Cole, Tevez. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, okay, they they were all great players, but Ronaldo's different different level, different level to those. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I just can't, he's also quite a brave person to go back. I mean, don't they always say, don't go back? But, um, you know, he, he won't tarnish his legacy, but he's got he's going back to the hardest league in the world to go to a team that may be behind City and Chelsea. But I think the appeal for him is imagine if he turns it around for him and gets him a title, like I think he's just going to do that. And he'd just be an absolute legend, like even more so if he does that. Because I think Messi arguably has copped out against PSG. Mm. It's not a great league. He's gonna score bucket loads. But he wants to win the Champions League and they've got a decent team, so he might get that chance. But fair play to Ronaldo for going back to yeah, possibly the hardest league. That's quite cool of him to do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. At his age. Yeah, we said last time that if Messi, I think last time Messi had just announced he was leaving, we weren't sure on his destination yet. Turned out to be PSG, of course. I was saying that mm. moving to PSG is a bit of a cop out where you're not testing yourself against world class opposition week in, week out. While Ronaldo, at 36 years of age, is going to be doing that. He's going to be really mm. at the deep end. And I still think he can do it. I still think that due to his ridiculous athleticism and longevity, he's going to still score 15 to 20 goals. And that might be invaluable in the title push. Yeah, 100%. He scored two tonight, right? Against, yeah, um, Ireland. against Ireland. Yeah, that's two two great headers. So, yeah, he, he just won't be the same player. I think uh, Paul Merson was talking about this, that he's not going to be like on the wings, like doing step overs, taking people on because he's changed his game now. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's a penalty box player. Yeah. Um, but he's ruthless. Like he will just get, he will get you 15, 20 goals because I think he'll definitely get the service. So, yeah, it's a great signing. I, and it's, you know, I know his wages are quite steep, but, I think the fee is like 12 or 13 million quid or something. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. I, I saw a great stat that Man United have signed Sancho, Varane and Ronaldo in one transfer window and still spent less than Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, poor Arsenal. They're in a state. <laughs> I, I look at them and think, wow, wow, how, how it's fallen, how things have fallen for them. Yeah, I know. It's almost a travesty because they were probably my... Prem team, if you like, back in the day, because yeah, a lot of people. It's, it, it's only been there like a few a few seasons, and not been back since. So, uh, the invincible team was just incredible. So, from that to where they are now, it's just an absolute fall from grace, isn't it? Yeah, just, so, they are banter club, banter club at the minute. Banter FC, yeah, for real, and yeah, from a you know traditional old football point of view, you'd love to see now Ronaldo's back. You'd love to see him square off against. Arsenal and Chelsea because that's what where he made his name. I still remember when he was nineteen, scoring two at Highbury, and he shushes the crowd. And because yeah. Arsenal were the biggest rivals then, and Ronaldo had yeah. to raise his game for those. Whilst now, when Ronaldo plays Arsenal, it's it's like the equivalent of a few years ago playing Villa. I'd shall we say, like a Villa. Yeah. Maybe maybe that actually that's a bit complimentary to Arsenal now, comparing them to two thousand and seven Villa because they were a competent side. So it's a, it's a tricky one, yeah. It's a tricky one. I think I'd love to see like the traditional teams back and not Man City just because I don't like them. But yeah, having <laughs> Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, they're the teams that Ronaldo has to do it against. Yeah, I still can't believe he's back. As I'm saying it, I still can't believe it's actually happening. <laughs> yeah, I have no doubt he will, um, he'll be back scoring goals against those big clubs. He's just a machine. He really is. Like, he, it's just... There's nothing he can do. At 36, he's still going to be like, you know, jumping high in the air for those like, headers coming in. Like even tonight when he scored those two headers, like just decent. He's just decent all around, isn't he? Like, I just can't see him not succeeding. But he is. You kind of think, well, 36. He's got two year contracts of 38. Like he's just going to carry on, isn't he? Yeah. Until he's 40 or 40 plus, it's going to be quite incredible, really. Yeah, absolutely. My only concern is, then again, this shouldn't be a concern due to the shape he keeps himself in. If he was to get some kind of injury, that may obviously stunt his progress. But that's not really been an issue so far. So perhaps I'm just perhaps as a United fan who's getting got caught up in all the mayhem and the hysteria, I'm thinking, well, what if it goes wrong? But I'm trying to think of ways it can go wrong, but I don't, I don't, I can't find too many. Maybe just the injury. Well, yeah, I think him and Messi aren't injury types, are they? 
No. Uh, they just played most games. The only thing, it, it can't go wrong, but the only thing is people are going to expect to see him what he was 15 years ago. Like, people have that memory of him in the Premier League when, like I do, when he first came on. Um, when he was like 18 to 23 or 24, like literally being best player in the world, like developing into that. Wouldn't you the Champions League? He's just not going to be the same player. He's like way older. Um, so you've got to try and have this as a second period, as a second time, second Ronaldo. Like it's not going to be the young, late teenage Ronaldo. So people have got to bear that in mind that they're not going to see the same Ronaldo, but he'll still be as good in different ways. No, of course, yeah. What are your memories of Ronaldo coming through? What do you remember about his first time? I know there's quite a few to pick from, but are there any that stand out for you? Uh, well, I just remember him doing all the stepovers <laughs> yeah, when he yeah. first came in. Um, there's a couple of goals that do stand out, uh, the Harvey ones for sure, but uh, there's a goal against Fulham, I think. Uh, I think he might have scored it in last minute. Yes. Um, I don't know what year that was, but I, I think it's pivotal to this, to this title because I think he cut him from the left and then just drove it into the corner. Yes. But that's a huge goal at the time, I think, to maybe um, cement, I don't know if they're top at the time, or chasing. Yeah, no, I remember it. I remember yeah, it. Yeah, like a great goal. It's just an important goal. Yeah, 2000. I remember that. I believe, yeah. Okay. On our way to our, uh, his first title. And yeah, I think we were... Up there with Chelsea, around it was around the February point, and he just draw him with two minutes to go, and he cuts in from the left from the halfway line, drives three or four defenders, and hits it bottom corner. That was, I think, yeah, that's the standout probably from his very early days. I think that's the moment where he really arrived. Yeah, I do. I think Arsenal was still good at that point. I do remember him. I think do you remember the FA Cup final that you lost on penalties? Yes, um, yeah, I do. But you absolutely dominated Arsenal that game, like even in extra time. Absolutely. Arsenal was starting to fade a little bit, I think, after that. Um, that's kind of beginning and the end. But you kind of saw this like youthful man, youthful man you coming through with Rooney as well. Um, but you lost in the penalty shootout. Arsenal were pretty decent at penalty shootouts back then. But um, yeah, him and Rooney through at that time, I remember that. Um, thinking, oh, okay, they've got decent potential here. And then it's the Champions League. Like um, I remember the Porto goal. Unbelievable, remember watching that. Uh, obviously, I remember watching the Champions League final when he scored the header. That kind of stands out as it would because it's a huge occasion. Um, I also remember quite a funny one. When you played Barcelona and you beat them, I think it was a semi-final. Yes. Um, you drew at the new Camp, um, 0-0. I can't remember if you missed the penalty. but um, Yeah, he did after two minutes. But here was like after the game. Yeah, don't worry, we've got this. Like, we're gonna go through. He's pretty confident. Like, he's at just like I couldn't believe how confident he was that even though he's missed the penalty, it could be pivotal because away goals and stuff. He was like, No, we'll still go through. I think we'll do it. Like, and obviously Skull scored the winner. But yeah, like his that bra- like brash confidence is just a bit wasn't really seen since Cantonal, maybe, I think. Mm. Um yeah, that's kind of what, what I kind of remember for him uh, back in the early days at Man United. Yeah, I'd agree. And everybody says around him who played with him, who worked with him, who coached him, everybody says the same things, which are he always had the inner belief that he'd be the best in the world and he would go out of his way with a relentless attitude and hard work together. He would work harder than anybody 
according to all these sources. Yeah, I think Rooney was there at the same time, right? But he was better at the start and then Ronaldo's took over. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's just because of hard work or a bit of talent in front of there as well. But yeah, I remember them two joining and, and I think they played, you, you probably know better than I do. I swear there was a Champions League game against AC Milan one season and you were just a bit too young, like you're a bit inexperienced. Yes. The potential was there and you got, you got beaten quite comfortably. Yes, exactly. but there's some flashes there of Rooney and Ronaldo. Like, oh shit! Like, you could actually um, be decent in a few years' time. Um, yeah, and then it just exploded. Like, you just have to develop into this like super team for three or four seasons. Yeah, came. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that was the year before won the Champions League. Yeah, it was a uh, won the first leg, but then the second leg, AC Milan. They had a brilliant team at that point. Kaká, Dida. Yeah, I think Maldini was still there. Gattuso, Perlo, yeah, and they just ran the show. I remember watching it and thinking, yeah, United aren't quite there just yet. It was a bit of a humbling, but we got there, I guess. We got there the year after, and two or three years, as he said, super team. Uh, with that, I, we might have spoken about this on the last podcast, and mm. after this I'll, I'll listen back to see how my answers differ based on the <laughs> news. Who do you think is better, Messi or Ronaldo? Messi, 100%. Messi. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not even a, not even for me, even a question. Fair yeah, enough. I think Messi's the best of all time. So I'm in that camp. Nice. Yeah, it's a weird one for me. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to be careful because I'm sure I probably, I might have said Messi on the last podcast, but then <laughs> now I'm, uh, well, <laughs> now he's joining your team. <laughs> yeah, suddenly his mind's changes. But I remember, I think, to that, once Ronaldo left, coincidentally again, I, went for Messi and I think Messi for years then was miles clear of Ronaldo I would watch and think I don't even know how people can compare this however I do think in the last few years my head's been turned a bit I'm thinking well Ronaldo is doing it at different levels he's done it in different leagues he's Mm. doing it more in the latter stages of the Champions League and Messi hasn't in a few years so it's a tricky one but in terms of and I'll say this even though he's come back to United in terms of a natural footballer Messi just is more magical he does stuff that nobody else can do whilst I think Ronaldo as exceptional as he is is a product of a lot more hard work than Messi I think Messi is just a naturally gifted more gifted footballer oh yeah 100% and I think um, Messi's the only person or any footballer I remember watching where I'd, I'd on purposely make plans to watch him there's no one else that does that for me so for me it has to be him um, like it, I'd watch him against even like the crappier teams in La Liga um, but I'd make the effort to go and see him. Whereas Ronaldo, I'd look forward to seeing him um, when he plays Man United, but I wouldn't, you know, go totally up my way to like change plans. Whereas Messi, I would like, I'd be sitting in for two hours as mesmerized. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to really like, what, what do people want to judge it by? Is it goals? Is it like leagues he's played in? Is it trophies? Like, because they're both almost pretty much equal, right? Yeah. Um, and I know he's won the, um, this is Messi, this is won the Copa America but don't forget he took Argentina to the World Cup final like if, H- if Higuain would have just banged that goal in <laughs> he would have got the World Cup as well um, so he's just one moment away from winning that potentially so uh, those kind of comparisons I didn't really take too seriously um, I just based it on just kind of watching them both I just think Messi's a little bit more yeah but there you go yeah no that's a fair point and so with that, I think we've covered the Ronaldo coming back. 
What's your actually? What's your favorite moment for now? I've got to ask you. Been a Man United fan. Yeah, like your top three favorite moments. Top three. <laughs> Weirdly enough, I was thinking of my top ten the other day, so I should have this off by heart. I think number three, and this won't won't make many United fans, but he scores a 90th minute free kick against Sport in Lisbon. He's about 30 yards out. It's a brilliant, brilliant free kick, but due mm. to his other exploits, it doesn't get that much attention. But it's the way he just turned around and shrugged. It was very Cantonal <laughs> to say, yeah, that's what I do. It's just such a, yeah. <laughs> such a, as we said, just such a brash, arrogant thing to do. But he'd scored, I think, 15 to 20 that year. He was, we were coming up to Christmas. We'd ultimately go on and win the Champions League and the Premier League. And that was the moment for me where I was a 10-year-old. I thought, wow, okay, this is going to be an unbelievable season. Where he was doing very well, but I think that was the moment that really got him to the level of a world beater. So that would be mm. three. Uh, number two would probably be his free kick against Portsmouth. I know that's yeah. cliche, but it was just ridiculous. It was an absolute joke of how he got the, the pace, the power, <laughs> the top of the top, literally right in the top corner. Yeah, that will forever go down as a particular highlight. And also, the number one would be a moment that didn't really get that atten- that much attention when it happened, and I couldn't believe why. It's the free kick against Arsenal from the wing. Have you seen? Oh that? yeah, unbelievable. On earth does he get that? I think the commentator says um, too far out. He, I think yeah. the says, yeah, too far out. And he goes, not too far out for him. And he just absolutely hammers it into the near post. Yeah, that's that's got to be there. As I'm saying that with the top three, I'm still trying to think how I've not included the goal against Porto, where he's 40 yards out and yeah. again hits it like a bullet into the top left. There is that one. Or the goal against Chelsea in the final. Yes, the header. Oh, I went absolutely <laughs> spare. Do you know what? <laughs> actually, I just thought of one, actually. Um one of my favourite goals ever from Ronaldo is that header against Roma. Oh, gosh, yeah, how on earth Because Skulls just stands it up. I remember watching this going, I remember at the time thinking, well, well there's no one in there. And you see this guy just fly <laughs> past like Superman, yeah. bang, in the corner. Like, <laughs> this guy is bloody fearless that he, he's just, not only is he good at like on the ball, obviously, step overs and tricks and scoring goals, he's an unbelievable header of the ball. Like one of the, probably one of the best I've ever seen. I just couldn't believe that this guy does it all. <laughs> uh, but that was probably one of my favourite goals that I actually probably would say, um, not ever, but definitely for him. Um, but Man United have got two of my favourite goals ever anyway with Paul Scholes against Bradford and Villa. So yeah, yeah definitely my two favourite goals ever. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that goal was unreal. Yeah, I actually saw a tweet once where there's just a picture of Skulls putting in the cross and it says and there's no one in there and it goes, the goal scorer Cristiano Ronaldo isn't even pictured in this photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, oh, he's just unbelievable, those sort of like headers, isn't he? Um, but I love Skulls' reaction when he sort of dips that ball in and, and then he scores, he's like pumping his fist. Like imagine this kind of like being part of a successful team but then seeing this guy comes through who just takes it to another level. Must be unreal. Yeah, that's why I'm mainly excited about him coming back because think of the attacking options we have who are young, for example, Rashford, Sancho, Greenwood. They would have all grown up idolising this guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
idolising Rashford, idolising Ronaldo, and now they get to learn and literally sit at the same table as him. They get to see what he does in training, what he does before the game, how he prepares. Think, I think these are already extremely talented players who will go on to do great things, but to learn off Ronaldo, <laughs> to literally have him as the mentor, it, yeah, I, I don't think it's bad for the club at all. And oh, I, I don't. I, I need to be careful saying this, but I think in the next <laughs> year, in the next couple of years, we could see some very special achievements for this United team. But <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm touching wood as I say that. I don't want to have this played back to me in three years' time. Like, what did you say? <laughs> but yeah, in in theory, yeah, you should be. Yes, I think oh, there's, there's four great teams. <laughs> Um, any other league in the world, you'd be winning it. But um, unfortunately, yes. you've got to compete with Guardiola and then Chelsea and Liverpool, who have been great for a number of years. So, yeah, just, well, yeah, it's unlucky, really. But great for the Premier League. Yeah, it's great for the Premier League, where I think now we have an established top four. The four clubs mentioned, I think that that will be the top four. I just don't know the order. Where, crazily enough, we could sign Varane, Sancho and Ronaldo and still finish fourth just because of... yeah. The quality of the other sides yeah, is extraordinary. I, I'm going to predict. I think United this season will finish second again, based on the fact that I think Chelsea will probably edge it. I think they're resilient and a very strong side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've actually in my season predictions with my my mates, I've gone Man City cop out, but <laughs> they always do ten wins in a row, so. I just think even without a striker, they can still do it. But mate, this is the best chance that you or Chelsea have got. Yeah. Um, I think this season. Um but on Ronaldo also, I, I don't know if you agree, but would you say he was totally loved at Real Madrid or not? Because no. I get the impression that he wasn't as adored as a, as there as Man United. And he, he probably couldn't work out why the hell not. <laughs> he won all those Champions Leagues as a the goal scoring record was unbelievable. Um, and he won, I think, the league maybe once or twice. Like, yeah, he did. I just didn't feel like he felt he was getting as much love as he probably should have done. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I do wonder why. Maybe the fact that occasionally he'd flirt with other clubs where he'd occasionally announce that he wasn't particularly happy or he'd hint that he wasn't, that things weren't all well. I think in his first few years at Madrid, he was probably struggling with the fact that Pep's Barcelona with Messi were winning everything and the fact that yes. he was taking all the Ballon d'Ors. He was getting more created. Yeah. To be fair, I, I remember at that era thinking, yeah, there's no way Ronaldo will ever be near Messi. But he, he caught up. He, he was on the same amount of Ballon d'Ors back up until 2018 when Modric won it. But he, he did come back and equal his Ballon d'Or total and won three... He's won one more Champions League with Mess than Messi and won three in a row, yeah. 16, 17, 18. So that just shows the character of Ronaldo is and he will come back. There's nothing that's going to stop him. But yeah, I definitely agree with you. He wasn't totally loved at Madrid. I'm not even sure about Juventus. I don't really know that much about his Juventus career, to be honest with you. Yeah, he, he I think he is a little bit adored at Juventus, I think, because... He got that standing ovation when he scored a bicycle kick there in the Champions League yes. for Real Madrid. And I think, yeah, he didn't achieve their aim of trying to get a Champions League, but he still got 100 goals and 130 appearances or whatever it was. Like, it's a ridiculous record. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I think they realised that he just tried his best, but maybe the team just wasn't quite good enough. And the manager, Perlo as manager, like he was just a bit unlucky. They kind of got a work experience manager in instead of a proper one. So, yeah, of course. Um, yeah it's a bit unfortunate. Um, I think he is loved by Juventus fans, I think. Yeah, but weirdly enough, Real Madrid fans, I, they're a weird bunch, but yeah, for some reason they don't love them as much. I, I don't know why. Yeah, it's the same, I think, with a lot of their players. Real Madrid fans are very difficult to get on side. They, they expect some extremely high standards from you. But who, yeah, I can't remember, or who, who is loved? Like, even the original Ronaldo was like um, heckled sometimes in the crowd. I'm like, when he scored a hat trick at your place at Old Trafford and he got a standing ovation, he wasn't getting that around Madrid. <laughs> Yet your fans are like clapping off the pitch because he just produced an unreal moment. But yeah, yeah, it's baffling what they expect. I don't know what their mantra is in terms of like who is considered as a, <laughs> you know, one yeah. of their own. I don't know. Yeah, they might have to go back in time and find Di Stefano or someone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's extraordinary. But yeah, with that, before we move on to Bolivia, have you any final thoughts on Ronaldo? Um, no, I am a, I'm a huge fan. Like, um, I just, I'm kind of drawn to him to like listen to his interviews. He speaks well. Uh, I think he just kind of gives that impression that he knows what he's doing. He's quite honest. Um, he's quite funny as well. Like, I just feel like, I like to think he's just a normal guy, but it's just a huge personality. He's got like ridiculous followers. He's just world, worldwide known. Um, so I think it's great the Premier League's got someone like that back. I, I can't wait to see him. So I'll be tuning in as much as I can to United this season, probably more than most. Yeah, absolutely. I just can't wait. I know that most of the games for me are on at, say, 11pm, 2am, but even 2-3am when the Champions League kicks off, I'm getting up for them. <laughs> it's Ronaldo. I did it a few times last year and I was left very disappointed. But with Ronaldo <laughs> back at United, I just have to set my alarm. I can't wait. Yeah, for me, it's easy. They're all in the morning, so I can just get up and have a coffee and watch it, um, which is pretty lucky just because of the time difference. But um, I'm intrigued to see who... So you've got Newcastle at home next. Yes. Um, I would assume he will come on for that. Oh, sure. that's, a, that's a great game to come on and just get a goal. Yeah, Newcastle tragic. Yeah, Newcastle um, Trafford as well. That that just but, up, yeah that that just has yeah. Ronaldo goal screaming all over it. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm looking forward to is so your next game after that is West Ham away. Yes, uh, for me that'll be six a.m. But I might get up for that um, and watch that because um, I think he he would love it when he goes like at that away ground, get a bit of stick, yeah. paint to the crowd. West Ham are quite. Um, but walk us there. So, yeah, I'll be tuning in definitely to that first away game. Yeah, absolutely. That's when he'll really get tested. He'll get the booze, but he'll love the booze. Like he, oh, yeah, that'll spare on. He'll obviously enjoy the reception he's going to get at Newcastle, which is going to be off the charts. But West Ham away, yeah, that's the perfect sort of ground for Ronaldo just to, yeah, <laughs> jog back his memory because he used to get some incredible stick at the away grounds after the World Cup in 2006 where he was yeah. public enemy number one. Every ground he went to, he got heckled like no one else. So he's going to he's gonna revel in this. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing the most. We don't have many of those characters in the Premier League, so 
exactly. Um, actually, that first game against Newcastle, um, weirdly enough, here in Canada, you can watch any games um, across the Premier League, even their three o'clock kickoffs on a Saturday. Okay. So I might get up and watch that first Newcastle game. Uh, that'll be 7 a.m. here on the Saturday 11th oh, yeah. of September. So I'm going to tune in for that, I think, and see if he comes on or, or maybe start. I don't know. Yeah. What's crazy enough is that it's a three o'clock kickoff and it can't be rearranged where Sky and BT for Ronaldo's return, they must be gasping to get it, to get it broken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they can do so much stuff on it, can't they? Like the return of the king and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Imagine the promo they can do on it. <laughs> they'd have, uh, the, the video team would be working right now. They'd be right now <laughs> all of his goals, just putting them together. But yeah, it's extraordinary. Yeah, th- just a 3 p.m. kickoff. It doesn't really warrant that. I'm very jealous of anyone who has a ticket, I must admit. Oh, God, yeah. Imagine buying a season ticket. Or imagine giving one up going, nah, not this season. Yeah. And then, yeah, then Ronaldo signs. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, just been, yeah, maybe it's time to call it a day with attending the match. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Chuck it away. God. and then We've signed Ronaldo. Oh, fuck. But all those kids that are like, what, they must be, I don't know, 12 to 15. They, they won't really remember Ronaldo. When, when did he join? 2003. So, yeah. Was that 13 years ago? No, 16. No, God. What, what year are in? Uh, years ago. 18 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Bloody hell. Like, you could be an adult and don't remember him. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, my sister's 18 now and. He was, she was six when he left. And so I spoke to her the other day and went, do you remember Ronaldo at United? She was like, you know, she remembers a few bits and bobs because she was six. And I was like, go on YouTube, <laughs> watch Ronaldo. <laughs> he was unbelievable. Even I was, when he was at his peak, I was 10 to 11. And I still remember it so vividly. It's the reason why I became so obsessed with football because I'd watch a United game knowing that he was going to do, probably going to do something extraordinary like the header we discussed against Roma. The flick against Villa, yeah. I haven't even mentioned that. Uh, free kick against Bolton. That, there's just so many moments where you knew he was going to produce magic week in, week out, and it was just relentless. It was goals, assists, goals, assists. And he'd score every <laughs> type of goal, whether it be a header, whether it be a flick, a free kick, left foot, right foot. It was every single goal he could he could do. It was an absolute joke. Yeah, he is, he is a joke. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, mental, I can't wait. So, I will be tuning in 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, let's switch over now from Ronaldo to Bolivia in part of the travel theme. Uh, tell me about Bolivia, James. I don't really have that much knowledge. <laughs> yeah, so Bolivia uh, is a landlocked, landlocked country in uh, South America. It is one of the cheapest places to travel. And it's an amazing country because... Um, it has the salt flats to the west, um, which is where Lake Titicaca is, which is on the border. Um, so you've got that lake and the salt flats, which come from our, I'll come to those in a minute in more detail, but you've got that. And then to the east, you've got the Amazon jungle, which is a polar opposite in terms of weather and, and what to expect in terms of like the land. And then to the south is a bit more deserty when you go into like... Um, I guess, like the Atacama area of Chile um, and a bit of um, Argentina as well. So it's got this unbelievable landscape and it's just full of hills. Um, I'll come to the hills in more in detail, but like La Paz, it's just built in a, in a, like a bowl. So it's like a city on a bowl and you're never walking flat. You're always walking on altitude 
in altitude, but also up and down, never straight. So yeah, that's kind of, Bolivia was on my kind of hit list because it's cheap. And I spent three weeks there. So I can give you some uh, facts before we start about my trip, if you like. Yeah, please do. Fire it, fire um, facts. Yeah. Uh, so there's about 11.6 million people, uh, but 63 to 64% of that are, are indigenous to Bolivia, which I think is one of the highest amounts in South America. Um, or Latin America for that for that matter. So obviously it was all taken over by the Spanish back in the day and some Portuguese like Brazil. But Bolivia is has the most indigenous population there. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, there's like 37 languages spoken in Bolivia. Spanish is obviously one, yeah. but 36 indigenous languages, um, which is crazy. Um, it has the high it has the highest never Gatable Lake in the world, which is Lake Titicaca, which I'll come to in a bit, which I've been on. They have loads of floating islands on there, which people actually live on. And it borders Peru. Um, and it's the largest fresh water lake in South America by volume and surface area. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty high up as well. It's like 12,500 feet, um, which I'll come to again in a minute about the height. You need, you need to be acclimatized. It's going to be a, a key rule for Bolivia. Right. Uh, again, the salt flat is there, the largest salt flats in the world. It's where they moved the, um, is it the Dakar, Dakar Valley mm. uh, in Africa? They moved it to Bolivia, I think partly for safety, but also partly because the salt flats are pretty incredible. Um, it has an absolute ton of flamingos. So if you like flamingos, you'll see in there. Oh, yes. And um, it has one of the highest cities in the world, Potosi, which I have been to. Um, um, yeah, it's kind of like you're approaching thirteen to 14,000 feet up. Um, and it's really high. I'm talking like it's not just a little bit of breath. You are walking down the street and you are knackered, like one block. Right, okay. um, it's pretty crazy. And there's a, there's a calf there, which is like one of the highest calves in the world you can go to. Damn. So how, how would you acclimatize yourself before going to Bolivia? Yeah, so I would go from the west through the salt flats. Um, they are a little bit high up. They're, they're going to get you acclimatized to a decent standard. But then you make your way east. You kind of slowly get higher up. So I'll come in for the west and I'll give maybe like two or three days just in there's a town called uni um, which is by the salt flats um it's not the best place to stay but if you're really struggling or you just want to be sure um you could stay there for two or three days and just acclimatize to the to their altitude and then make your way east to a bit higher higher grounds so um it's a weird one altitude because you, you don't really know how you're going to react it's like have you ever been in altitude before do you think no i don't think i have to be honest with you this is why i'm fascinated yeah, I think um, so. It'd be almost unknown for you, so it might be worth doing like a bit of Peru first, and it, it's kind of lower, and then get into Bolivia and just gets a bit higher. But maybe going to a country a bit lower might help you out first. Um, I don't know if you saw the Ewan McGregor's TV shows, the ones where he bikes across the world. No, I haven't. Uh, seen them. Yeah, he does long way, long way up. They're called long way down, long way up, long way across. And the long way up 
is through South America and some of his crew get a little bit ill in Bolivia just because of the um, altitude. So, um, yeah, they have to go back down. But, yeah, maybe just kind of slowly get towards there first. Yeah, no, I definitely would do that. Uh, is um, would So would you say start Peru, then would there be anywhere else to go in between? You know, if you were to gradually progress into Bolivia, you'd start Peru anywhere else in between? Yeah, you can start Chile or Peru. We'll do both. Um, Chile and Peru are going to be lower because they're kind of near the sea, but they kind of get up a little bit quicker. Um, but both of those have borders with Bolivia, so you could probably just start there. Like northern Chile is is a desert, the Atacama Desert. So um, that is quite high up, but it's not as high up as Bolivia. So you can maybe start there and acclimatize there, and then get the bus across through the salt flats or the Lake Titicaca, whatever which way you go. Um, so yeah, you could maybe start in those countries first. Like maybe do like Inca Trail, for example, first, um, which is not that high up compared to some places in Bolivia. And then yeah, sort of trek across the, the border. Yeah, I see. And how did you spend then your three weeks? Were you in Bolivia for three weeks, yeah? Yeah, just under, yeah. Yeah, as a whole, how did you manage it? Was it, what was your like itinerary like? Uh, I kind of had just a few activities booked in and built it around them. So uh, I came in through Chile and done the salt flats. Um, you can do a tour from Chile, which includes a border crossing, um, a three... It must have been three nights, four days. And it's quite funny because uh, this tour is in like two Jeeps and you get in your, your little group, six in a Jeep, and you sort of make your way to the salt flats. And this place was ridiculously cold. I stayed in this salt hotel and it was like <laughs> no hot water, no heating. And it's about, I don't know, 12, 11, 12,000 feet up. <laughs> and I'm sleeping in my ski jacket. It's that cold. Jeez. Um, so... You kind of get to experience basically why no one lives there. Um, but the, the, there's these camps that you can do and you go and do sunrise on, on the salt flats and you can do these silly photos. Of, but it's so far in the distance that like you can just, you can't really see a horizon. You can do those like silly photos where someone's like 10 meters away and you can put your thumb on them towards the camera, you know, like as if you've got your thumb on them, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that for two days and you're kind of trying to survive the weather and the, altitude and then you get across to Bolivia um so I've kind of done that for three days and then you go sort of straight to La Paz which is like the capital um and La Paz I was plans to do Death Road have you heard of Death Road no never heard of Death Road please tell me have you seen have you seen Top Gear uh yeah a few episodes uh there's one episode he does on Death Road where they nearly fall off the edge um and it's basically an old road near La Paz where it hugs the cliff and it's not really suitable for two big cars. Luckily, believe they have small cars, so you can just about get by each other. Um, but they obviously went in their Jeeps, didn't they, and then tried to do like a, a stupid challenge. So I was intrigued by this. So I went and booked a tour. And uh, these days you can do uh, push bikes down Death Road because they've actually built a proper road for the locals now. And so you sort of get on your bike, no pedals, just braking all the way down. And then it kind of like breaks up into three groups. The group at the front are the, I guess, the mountain bikers and the bit ones a bit more scary and daredevil type people. And they just kind of 
fly off and they're kind of in competition with each other to try and get down the fastest. And then you've got the people in the middle who are kind of like taking interviews, chilling out, but not too slow. And then the people at the back who are just scared. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of in the middle. But yeah, those guys at the front really do wrap down the hill. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Damn, were you not a bit worried during that period? I think I'd be breaking it. Uh, no. Um, my friend did kind of crash a little bit though. Uh, maybe it's a story for your podcast. He um, he had a push bike like me, and his brakes failed. Um, so he said that he was going down the hill. Um, bear in mind, to your left, it's just a drop. It's like a ridiculous drop. It's on the side of a mountain, and he's going down the hill. And he said to me that he had a choice to make. He can't stop. So either he kind of crashes into the cliff to the right of him, which is going to be a bit of an impact. Or he said, I thought I might try and clip someone else and just, and just try and slow my bike down and then see what happens. So he chose the clipping someone else. So he clipped his front wheel and someone's back wheel. And my friend's bike went over the edge. He flipped over and scraped his knees and stuff. And the other guy he clipped into sort of half crashed into the um, cliff with his bike. And our group were kind of waiting. We got told to wait and we don't, didn't really know why. And then my mate turns up and he's like, all well, sheepish and white. He's like, mate, I can't talk about it. I'll talk about it later. Um, but something that happened. Um, but yeah, he explained it and I couldn't believe it. Like he would say he had a near-death experience. <laughs> um, but the guide's got got his bike back out somehow. It kind of got caught in a tree or bush, um, fixed his brakes, and then gave it back to him. So there you go. Wow. True South America style. Yeah, as you're saying that, my heart's going a bit. I can only imagine for this. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I can't, yeah. This is coming from someone, me, I'm quite scared of heights. So as this oh, yeah. is going on, I'm thinking, oh, okay. Yeah, I'd be fine here. Yeah, I'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's it was a good tour <laughs> yeah you, you get a huge buffet in a bit of it helps you know, yeah yeah no, i can imagine that actually i can just imagine based if i was doing it right now maybe when i eventually experience it i'll be in a different headspace but right now i'd imagine it'd be a case of endurance through the first through almost the whole thing and then just right at the end being like the exhilaration i'm probably doing it for that but <laughs> who knows <laughs> yeah i i kind of took it easy for a bit and then i kind of tried to join the front guys after that just to try and test myself a bit stupid but um i'm not too bad at biking but yeah it was it's interesting that it, it is a sheer drop um and occasionally you do get a local come by in the car like they shouldn't do they should use the new road but sometimes they do so like it's a bit of a challenge yeah no it sounds it it sounds like an interesting country to say the least did you mention that not too many people actually live there Oh, what, in Bolivia? Yes. Uh, it's got a reasonable population, um, but it's, it's definitely one of the... It's one of the more, like, insular population. You don't find many Bolivians travelling or in other countries. They kind of stick to their own country. Um, it's slightly poor, so I'm not sure if that's just due to access to money, but you always see in South America, like, if you go to Brazil, there'll be Chileans there or Argentinians, like... And vice versa, but Bolivians kind of just in Bolivia almost. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, this I don't think it's got too much population 
in the higher altitude areas because it is just so tough to live. Um, but I'm sure they get used to it, I guess. Yeah, for real. Um, also, when we were chatting, I think just before we were recording, we were saying that Bolivia isn't really on the South America hit list to say an Argentina, a Brazil, a Peru, a Chile, etc. Why do you think Bolivia isn't as, I don't know, uh, isn't on the hit list, isn't as tourist friendly as perhaps other South American countries? Um, because it's a bit more raw. It's not really built for tourism. Um, so I think all the classic highlights of South America, even though it's got some, like the salt flats is definitely one of them. People going to South America tend to stick to like um, Machu Picchu in Peru mm. and they go to Santiago in Chile because you can fly into there. Um, you can't really fly into Bolivia from anywhere else. Um, okay. So it kind of just gets missed. Um, and some people don't like it, but I, I love my time there. Um, La Paz is a crazy city. There's a bit of a naughty city really you can get away with some interesting stuff there. <laughs> um, a couple of party hostels there, the Loki Hostel and the Wild Rover. They're quite party central. Sure. Um, so if you're a backpacker or you want to meet people, that's the place to go. Had some cracker nights out there. But it's also different because you can also go to like, we went to Sucre, which is the other capital. And it's just this city that's not as high up for a start. It's kind of built with the old colonial buildings, but also they're all white. So it's kind of got this like majestic feel to the city. It's just white buildings everywhere. Whereas the Paz has lots of buildings not complete because there's a tax in Bolivia that if you complete your house, you get taxed. Um, so a lot of people don't complete their houses, they leave some of their roofs open or like unfinished right. uh, to avoid tax. Yeah, it's a bit weird. But Sucre is a bit more expensive um, a bit more well off so and government kind of lives there but as well so I kind of I kind of guess the clientele there is a bit bit okay with money so they yeah, yeah. it's just this awesome white city built city in the middle of Bolivia pretty yes. cool and on a you know slightly different note what would the what food and culture scene be like in Bolivia food their natural dishes like soup okay some of the best soup I've ever had in Bolivia it's unreal um, if you go to like any restaurant, they'll have a pot of soup there um, with some bread. That's kind of their thing. Um, so when we've done um, some tours, always soup. could be chicken or vegetable soup or mutton soup sometimes. Um, yeah, so soup is their dish. And the culture is a very indigenous culture. There's a lot of colours, a lot of dancing. And they don't really speak English that, that well or often. Um and it's just a little bit of a poorer country. So don't expect to see like the high rise buildings of like Santiago or Rio. That's not going to happen. Um, so it's a bit more rustic, um, but, but I, I love it because the people are so kind and they're kind of, they're kind of intrigued by tourists, um, especially somewhere like Potosi, which is one of the highest places in the world. Like we went there and it's like, it's just hills again, the city built in the hills, but like super high up. This is like 13 and a half thousand to 14,000 feet up. You can't breathe that well. Um, but they're kind of intrigued by tourists because not many people go there because of that. So we kind of felt like they were pretty welcoming to us. So that's quite cool. Right, okay, that sounds sweet. And are there any things about Bolivia that we might be surprised to hear? Anything that maybe would shock us? Uh, you can go on... 
your own Amazon tour to the east of the country, I think. You can go and go on the Amazon River um, and sort of like just kind of do it yourself <laughs> if you want. Um, it's pretty pretty liberal that way. Um, what else would surprise me about Uh As you know, for football, they always beat people at home because it's too high up. <laughs> so Argentina go there and they... I think they lost 2-0 last time because they just can't deal with the altitude. <laughs> so they're quite, they're quite good in Copa America qualifying because they always pretty much win their home games. Oh, <laughs> um, but other than travelling, yeah, it's just a pretty rustic place and a pretty cheap place. So I would yeah. highly recommend it. And yeah, is that are they the main reasons that you would suggest Bolivia to people who haven't been the... Um the cheapness of it and also yeah. how unique yeah the cheapness of it and also the different types of activities um, it kind of covers like mountains uh, the rainforest Amazon uh, lakes uh, and also like a bit of city living it's kind of got all all those bases covered um, and it's a pretty easy place to travel because they're kind of all main places um, and they're quite well kind of paved so you can get buses around buses are pretty easy to get around there's no trains so um buses is your go-to uh, excellent. um yeah and you can go in at various points you can come in from peru chile through the amazon from brazil or from the south from argentina so you've got plenty of options and um, to get there would you ever go back to bolivia or do you think you've done it with your three weeks now no i'll go back 100 percent no. There's some places I didn't go to Santa Cruz, uh, Cochabamba. Um, they're two main like cities I didn't go to, and I didn't go to the Amazon, so I'd go east as well. Right, I see. Nice. And with that, then I'm trying to think before we wrap up. Uh, you got any final thoughts you want to add on Bolivia, or do you think we've covered it to a brief degree? Uh, we covered like the sort of like skimmed the edges of it, I think. Um, I saw some amazing sights there, like I saw flamingos, I saw the salt flats, I biked down Death Road, um, had a two, three night party in La Paz, which is pretty mental. Um, and also I saw, uh, <laughs> I didn't say this actually, but I was saying that, I went to a salt mine. There's a, work, there's a working salt mine in Potosi, okay. about 500 years old, and you can do a tour. Now, I wouldn't do this tour if you're claustrophobic or scared of the dark, because what's going to happen is you're going to whack on your hard hat with a torch, and you're going to go to a market before you start, and you're going to buy the miners some gifts. And I'm telling you now, the, here, here are the options you can buy for the miners. They have children's books for their children. They love that. You can buy cocoa leaves, which is leaves that are uh, the starting process of cocaine. So what they do is they just chew these leaves and kind of gives them a bit of a boost throughout the day um or you can buy them dynamite so i went to the market and bought dynamite <laughs> uh, i couldn't believe it i had those two sticks of dynamite in my hand like uh is this actually legal yeah. so and children's books so got in the tour and these i think like i think it's his dad and his sons maybe like they're probably 13 14 all working in the mine and I asked the guy, I said, hey, look, can I give my gifts now? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he called them over, sort of shook their hands. And, then, you know, they've got the hard hats on. They're covered in, like, black tar, whatever it is on their face. 
<laughs> I said, oh, I've got some presents in my like broken Spanish and like gave them my children's books and also my dynamite. And they were just so happy and appreciative of it. Like they sh- shook my hand and I like, appreciated that. Like, I gave them some stuff and I couldn't believe it, but pretty surreal moment. Um, yeah. It's kind of like climbing ladders, going in tunnels, um, actual working mind. It's a bit weird, but it's definitely probably my highlight of Bolivia, I think. Yeah, no, that does sound fascinating. I always, you know, sometimes when I think of other cultures that are in different contents and different environments, the fact that you can just get dynamite like that <laughs> in Top <laughs> Mind Tour, just carry dynamite in your hand, you just think, what yeah. happens? Mental. There are places in the world that just go like that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a bit surreal. Um, it's kind of like no rules, really. But um, yeah, it's, it's that tour in, it's in Potosi. So Potosi is kind of built next to the salt mine. That's uh, not, not salt mine, it's a silver mine, sorry, silver. Um, the, the soil's trying to get silver out of it. So it's still a working mine. So the, the, the dynamite will be used. Um, but I guess it's quite expensive. Um, so yeah, buying it for the, for the miners is pretty cool because they work now like 12 hours a day. So um, I hope that tour money that I spent goes towards them as well, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. But yeah, James, thanks very much for coming on today, man. Appreciate it. Uh, nice to discuss two different topics, both Ronaldo and Bolivia. And yeah, <laughs> look forward to the next one. Yeah, yeah, I'm always about. So um, what next football thing is quite interesting. Isn't it? I can't think what would be... <laughs> what would top... You can't be the, Aussie... the two greatest yeah. players of all time moving. Damn. Yeah. I don't know. What's what next? The tournament, yeah. Fuck, yeah. God. I know. Uh, <laughs> what do you think damn what could yeah you never know though in this world and especially football too the football world and the world we live in are both pretty mental so i'm sure something will come up in the near future that we wouldn't have expected and go right yeah we'll cover that yeah uh they won't make the champions league for a while if they get through right so yeah yeah i don't know i don't know what can top that transfer window it's pretty mental it's been the best one ever so and try and figure something else out football-wise. Maybe maybe Ronaldo will get a hat-trick or win a, you know, like a big game at Liverpool or something. I don't know. Yeah, I hope so. Hat-trick at Anfield. Ooh, ooh, that would be good. <laughs> maybe I'm just dreaming. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I've got a fan here who's from Liverpool. So I do go to the Liverpool Sports Club sometimes with him. So, oh, OK, yeah. Yeah, I do watch their games. Right, yeah. I can imagine they're quite entertaining actually now because they've been playing some great stuff over the last three years. But I still hope they can't contain Ronaldo. I'll fingers crossed. <laughs> Never know. Yeah, yeah we'll see. That's all. <laughs> Thank you for listening to my Wingernet podcast today. You can check out my website, jameshammond.org, for all the links to all the platforms for your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. There's a contact form on the homepage for you to get in contact with anything you want me to discuss to do with travelling. Don't forget to check out my Instagram page, James Hammond Travel, where I post daily about my last 10 years of travelling, travelling and more travelling. Finally, please rate the podcast. I really appreciate it if you rate it. Leave some comments and I'd love to read them. Stay safe, happy listening, happy reading and be inspired.